If you're like me, you care about getting the most from your workouts, which means wearing the finest performance gear. You know, fabric that dries quickly and has superior moisture wicking properties. Fabric so soft and comfortable, you could, well, curl up and sleep in it. Introducing Sheeks, spelled S-H-E-E-X, the world's first performance bedding line. Sheeks began when two former elite athletes and coaches had an aha moment, combining everything we love about quality performance fabric with everything we love about comfortable, irresistible bedding. Unlike traditional sheets that trap heat, sheiks are breathable, so you aren't constantly waking up to throw off covers or add a blanket. So you sleep deeper, longer, and better. And sheiks bedding looks as good as it feels. Colors and styles that can match any decor at a price that will pleasantly surprise you. And right now, you can try sheiks for 30 nights risk-free. Just go to sleepcoolnow.com. Use promo code 1212 and get $40 off any sheet set. That's sleepcoolnow.com promo code 1212. Sleepcoolnow.com, 1212. This is our number one for the World According to Zig podcast for... May 21st, 2017, this is the weekly show, which is really one of the very few places where you can get the truth about news, politics, media, sports, and culture from the conservative perspective in this crazy world turned upside down by this Trump era in which we currently live. My name is John Ziegler. I am the host of the show. In hour number two, we're going to be checking in with one of my very good friends, Democratic Congressman John Yarmouth, we uh, talked with him about, I'd say, once a quarter. And uh, considering what happened this week, I figured it was a pretty good time to check in with a Democratic congressman who very, very likely now, um, maybe not this year, maybe not next year, but probably by 2019, will be a House impeachment manager as the Democratic House begins impeachment proceedings against Donald Trump. That's a long way down the road. I know a lot can change, but on the current path that we find ourselves, I think that's a very, very likely scenario. Uh, Whether that's good, bad, or indifferent, that's yet to be seen. But we'll talk more with John Yarmouth in hour number two. Obviously, this week uh, was even nuttier and crazier than the previous week. And the previous week, I thought, was as insane as it was likely to get with the firing of the FBI director, James Comey, followed the next day with a meeting with the Russian ambassador, who, by the way, is a spy and and another uh, Russian leader. And, oh, by the way, the American news media were not invited. And yet somehow the photographs of the meeting came out uh, via the Russian press. That alone, that whole series of circumstances, it was hard for me to conceive how it could get uh, more bizarre than that. But this week it did. Uh, And just to quickly review, you know, every day it became a joke. It literally became a joke where, you know, by 5 to 6 o'clock in the afternoon, East Coast time, something big was going to happen. It started on Monday when there was the revelation that in that meeting to which I just referred, and let's be clear about this. This, this, this meeting was outrageous on its face. I mean, what the hell is the president of the United States doing meeting with top Russians, including a Russian spy in the Oval Office, when our own intelligence agencies are positive that the Russians influence, by breaking laws, by the way, our presidential election? I mean, right there, that should disqualify you from even getting a meeting. But that was just the the tip of the iceberg. We learned on Monday that during that meeting, the President of the United States gave the Russians, including a top Russian spy, highly classified, highly sensitive information about our fight against ISIS, which may have compromised our ability to continue getting information from ISIS, specifically via Israel. Now, one of the things that uh, the Trump cultists 
like to point out, which is actually accurate, although I don't think it matters, is that this is not a crime. Even most of the most ardent uh, Trump critics will acknowledge that the president of the United States inherently is incapable of breaking laws with regard to classified information. But there used to be something called right and wrong, and there used to be something called hypocrisy and consistency. And when you got elected, as Trump did, condemning Hillary Clinton on a not just a daily basis, a multi-daily basis, for being a security risk with regard to classified information because she had a, a private email server where there's no actual evidence that any highly classified information actually was given to an enemy power. Nevertheless, the Russians in the Oval Office, uh, the mind boggles. The mind boggles as to how that is defensible. Now, we don't know the impact of that yet. We don't know. But, um, you know, it could be some very severe impact, whether it means other nations being afraid to share their intelligence with us because they're scared out of their minds that this bozo, the clown who is our president, is going to provide it to our enemies, or whether or not we lose the informant that's supposedly embedded within ISIS. We don't know. But this alone and any other presidency would have been um, the kind of story that would dominate for a month, maybe a couple of months. And oh, by the way, if Barack Obama had ever done this with the Russians after just being elected, or if Hillary had done this with the Russians after just being elected with their help, then the conservative media would have never stopped talking about this, ever. This would be beyond Watergate. Just one day. That that was just Monday. Sean Hannity, Rush Limbaugh, Fox News Channel, Breitbart, Drudge. The the issue of Trump providing the Russians with highly classified information, that would dominate for at least a month, maybe a couple months, maybe the rest of the year. We would never hear the end of it. It would be like Benghazi was. All right? That was Monday. (laughs) That was Monday. On Tuesday, we learned that James Comey had written memos contemporaneously to a conversation that he had with the president where the president told him that he hoped that he would be able to let the Mike Flynn investigation go. Let it go. Like from the Disney movie Frozen. Let it go. You can almost hear Trump singing, let it go, to James Comey. Now, the media went into full hysteria over this. And I have to say that I I kind of understood it, but I, I also... I'm positive that if a president that they didn't understandably understandably presumed to be a complete idiot and corrupt had had the very same thing occur, then it would have been portrayed much differently, much differently. It would not have been seen as as nefarious because there are a couple of different ways to interpret that. Now, I believe that the memo exists. Of course, the Trump people... (laughs) The cultists, are, they don't even think the memo exists. They, they, they think that this is all a big lie. Fake news, fake news. Didn't actually happen. It's just a lie. Of course, they can't think about logically, all right, well, why would you lie about that when it's going to be found out and you're going to look like a complete fucking idiot? Everybody is if there's no actual memo. So I'm going to presume, because I live in the rational world, that there is, in fact, this memo and that the memo is as has been described in various mainstream news media outlets. So how do you interpret that? Well, the generous interpretation is that Trump being Trump, being an egomaniac, not really understanding, you know, sophisticated concepts like, you know, separation of powers and the fact that he doesn't really, you know, the FBI director doesn't really work for him personally, like you know, someone might have 
when he was running the Trump enterprises. I guess I think that's I think that's a very plausible way of looking at this. That Trump just thinks that if you work for the U.S. government, you work for him personally. And you know, if this was if 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 James Comey was the head pro at one of his golf courses. <laughs> Trump would be used to the head pro at one of his golf courses doing what he says because that's the way it's been for the rest, you know, most of his adult life. So if you're being generous to Trump, maybe he just thought that, you know, that that's the way it's supposed to work. Maybe he was even sort of joking, like, oh, come on, you know, he's a good guy, right? I mean, we're going to let this go, right? And Comey supposedly even says, yeah, I know he's a good guy which is an interesting way for Comey to try to get out of this because you're, you're, you're envisioning this conversation and, and Comey is getting the hives, right? Because he's, by all accounts, a man of really high integrity and is really concerned with these noble concepts like principles and independence and all that kind of stuff, stuff that Trump couldn't give a shit about. So uh, he just wants out of the conversation. Just get me out of this. So, yeah, you're, you're right, Mr. President. Flynn's a good guy. Can we talk about something else like the size of your Electoral College victory? I mean, that, there's something. By the way, apparently in the memo, <laughs> there there is a reference to the fact that during their conversation, the size of Trump's Electoral College victory and probably his inauguration crowds as well did, in fact, come up. One of all the great tweets that I saw in in response to this, one of my favorites was that when the memo comes out, we're going to see that the let it go is one sentence in a two-page memo, and the rest of the two-page memo is about the size of the inauguration crowd and the Electoral College victory <laughs> in, in reference to Trump's conversation. Now, there's one really important detail that I've left out so far in interpreting this memo that Kelmy has written to make sure that, you know, there was a record of Trump being a jackass and a dipshit at best. And that little factoid, assuming this is true, now this, you know, I wouldn't call this confirmed as of yet, but this appears to be true. And there's been no pushback from the White House as far as I have seen. But this is a critical fact, assuming it's a fact. And that is that this conversation occurred after he had the Attorney General, Jeff Sessions, leave the room. Now that changes everything. That's a horse of a different color, as they might say in The Wizard of Oz, since I often think of Trump as a Wizard of Oz character. Trump is, I think there are two types of people. The people that see Trump as the Wizard of Oz and the people like me who see Trump as the guy behind the curtain who doesn't have a clue who's trying to pull off the big fraud. And so if, if that's in fact true, and I believe it to be, you must, you must reinterpret that conversation through that lens because that's totally different. That takes the joke interpretation off the table, by the way. Because if you're going to joke about that, you joke about that with a bunch of people in the room. Like, you know, Jeff Sessions there. I think Mike Pence was supposed to be there. I don't know whether or not the deputy attorney general was supposed to be there. But anyway, the point is, if you're in a group of people and you say, hey, call me. Yeah. I mean, you know, Flynn's a good guy. You're going to let this go, right? <laughs> and then everybody laughs. Ha, <laughs> ha. Very nervously. Ha, <laughs> Yes, Mr. President. Right. Ha, <laughs> That's not what happened. That's not at all what happened. So um, I think it is rational to interpret what we now know about that conversation, assuming it's as depicted in the Comey memo, and there's no indication that Comey's the type of guy that was going to lie or exaggerate about this kind of thing. You must look at that, in my view, through a fairly nefarious lens. And the best interpretation I can come up with is that Trump is just a fucking idiot who has no idea how to be president of the United States. That's the best interpretation. He's a fucking idiot 
who has no idea what he's doing. And I'm 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 certainly willing to accept that as a possible interpretation. So that was Tuesday. And by the way, that also would have been in the exact same category as the Monday revelation in a rational world. The conservative media would have been all over this forever. Oh my God. Can you believe that Hillary tried to intimidate the FBI director into dumping an investigation of her own campaign's collusion with Russia? That would be the conservative, the former conservative media bent. That was before the so-called conservative media became the state-run media. Now just, 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 that's all it is now. State-run media, and if there was any doubt about that before this week, it has ended. This, this week, forever. Fox News Channel, 80, 90% of it. Talk radio, Breitbart, completely state-run news media. And a bunch of massive hypocrites. Because they would have interpreted all of this very, very, very differently, obviously, in a Clinton or an Obama administration. So then we go to Wednesday. Wednesday was a fairly slow day as we were trying to absorb the Comey memo revelation. And then all of a sudden, shazam, we learn that a special counsel has been named to investigate the entire Russia Trump campaign situation that Robert Mueller, former FBI director, guy who, by the way, happens to be very close to James Comey. He's going to head it up. Now, I wrote a column in response to this, uh, which you can find at freespeechbroadcasting.com, one of uh, four different columns I wrote, all of which I think are pretty relevant and interesting. Uh, Again, you can find them at freespeechbroadcasting.com. I wrote a column where there's a scenario, and I still believe this is true, although some things have happened since Wednesday because it was, you know, my gosh, That was five days ago. So a lot could happen in five days. But I I still believe the essence of that column is true. Well, uh, some things have occurred that make me hesitate a little bit. But I wrote a column basically outlining a scenario where the appointment of Robert Mueller is the best thing that Trump could have hoped for. And the basic rationale behind this is, all right, let's presume Trump is innocent. Now, As I say in the column, it's really hard for me to believe that Mike Flynn is not going to find, they're not going to find something, at the very least, highly nefarious, if not also illegal. There's the legality issue here is going to be very, very complex. Alan Dershowitz has been screaming all week, where's the crimes? Where Where are the crimes? But the reality is Flynn was a bad dude. I said he was a bad dude from the moment he entered the fray. It was very obvious. I mean, it couldn't have been more obvious how he ever got the job as national security advisor and then held that job for, what, 16, 18 more days after the president knew that he had lied to the vice president about his conversation with the Russian ambassador is one of the most damning things I think we've learned so far, especially from a guy who's whole campaign was based upon the fact that he's a great CEO who hires the best people, only the best people. And this was his national security advisor. So they're going to find something on Flynn. I think they're also going to find something on Paul Manafort. Uh, That seems like no brainers, but let's presume, let's presume for a second that Trump himself is totally innocent here. The only way after firing Comey that he was ever going to get personal exoneration that had any value at all on this Russia thing is by someone like Robert Mueller universally respected, especially by Democrats to investigate this and come forward and say, I I found no criminality, no wrongdoing by the president, blah, 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 whatever he's going to say. And so it puts a meaningful exoneration for Trump back on the table, the appointment of Robert Mueller to special counsel. But it also does something in the short run that I think might even be more significant than putting a legitimate exoneration back on the table for Trump. Trump was basically a boxer. You could probably say is like a boxer getting the living crap beat out of him this week. All right. I mean, they're landing roundhouses 
uppercuts, gut punches. He's bloodied. And he's about, you know, not maybe not necessarily going down for the count totally, but he's definitely going to the canvas. I mean, even his ring man, the ring man I'm going to refer to here is like Fox News Channel. Even the ring man was going like, should we throw in the towel here? I mean, our ratings are sucking ass this week um, because we're ignoring this whole thing and maybe we should get in on this. Maybe we should get, you know, who knows what we ought to do, but what's happening is not working. So this was a bad situation. So what does the Mueller appointment do? Well, it effectively stops the fight without disqualifying Trump. It suspends the fight. Now, that presumes a couple things which might not be accurate on my part because part of my presumption in this analogy is that Comey doesn't testify publicly anytime soon because Mueller wouldn't want that. The reports are still, as we do this podcast, that Comey has accepted an invitation to testify publicly to the Senate. We don't know how open he can be because it's the Intelligence Committee as opposed to the Judiciary Committee. There hasn't been a date scheduled yet. There have been some who have speculated, including Republican Senator Charles Grassley tweeted that he would not be surprised if Mueller put the kibosh on Comey testifying. So I'm still going to be surprised if Comey testifies publicly and openly anytime soon. Boy, you, you can just almost hear and feel the news media thirsting for this, right? I mean, my God. I mean, that would be that would be one hell of a moment for the fired FBI director who now apparently has the goods on Trump obstructing justice to testify without the worry of being the current FBI director. And of course, the with 80, 90 percent of the uh, the non Fox News channel media completely on his side, willing to buy anything, almost anything he says. That would be tremendous. I mean, that would be must-see TV. I, I still got to believe that's not going to happen. I, I just can't believe it's going to be that good. I, I just, I, I, I believe that Mueller will stop that. I have no zero inside information. I'm just going by gut instinct and the way things normally work. And I, I believe that whether Comey testifies soon is incredibly key, incredibly key. If he testifies soon, you know, like just after Memorial Day, and it goes anywhere near like what we have been led to believe that it might, then Trump is in huge, huge trouble. I mean, the the Trump presidency effectively would be over at that point. I'm not saying he would be forced to resign and he, he wouldn't be impeached, or removed from office, but he would be completely crippled because it, if Comey comes forward and and says what is would be expected, and let's be clear, the expectation bar would be really high. I mean, I mean, they the, it, the news media has uh, another analogy I come up with here, which I think the news media might end up regretting. This week was kind of like seeing a really cool trailer for a movie that's not going to come out for a long time, all right? And so it creates enormous expectation and anticipation. Wow, that's an awesome trailer. This movie's going to rock. Well, over time, two things happen. By the time the movie comes out, one, expectations are too high and the movie can't reach those expectations. And two, all the good stuff was already in the trailer, so nothing's new. People always want, tell me what's new. Give me what's new. That's why Comey testifying soon is so incredibly important. One of the things I think that those who believe that Trump is toast here, and I'm not in that category. Let me be clear. I And part of what I wrote in that column about Mueller is I still think Trump can beat this. And by beat this, I mean serve out his full term. All right? That's what I mean by beat this. 
I still think he can serve out his full term. And one of the ways that that would happen is let's say Comey doesn't testify and time passes, right? And the leaks stop. And, you know, Mueller eventually comes out with some sort of finding that's not real damning. You know, maybe uses some language that the president acted inappropriately or whatever. Who the hell knows what he's going to say? But there's no actual crime alleged. Well, then Comey is not the newly defrocked, fired FBI director. He's old news himself. The glow has faded from him, right? Also, he's old news because his testimony is not going to lead to an incriminal indictment of the president. So then what he says lacks a lot of juice that it would have now. So Comey's testimony now would be far more impactful than it would be, say, a year from now or even six months from now. Because the glow is going to fade off of Comey fast. Maybe not for, you know, diehard liberals who desperately want Trump out of there. But I, I really believe that the, the, the key decision here in how this is all going to go down is, does Comey testify in public openly soon? If all three of those things happen and he testifies as would have been portrayed by the trailers, the movie trailers this week, then Trump's presidency is over because at that point he will be seen as a dead man walking. That it's just a matter of time before he's toast. Now, what that would mean, what that would entail, nobody knows. I mean, there's all sorts of scenarios you can envision. A primary battle for the reelection. He, he resigns because he's just tired of the bullshit. Uh, who the hell knows? But unless and until the conservative media drops him, turns on him, the cults, the cult 45, you know, because remember, they'll believe him every time, cult 45. And I wrote a column, by the way, about cult 45 last night that exploded on Twitter. So you got to check that out at uh, freespeechbroadcasting.com where the, the term, I think I'm now owning the term Colt 45. So if nothing else, there's there, I got that going for me, which is nice. <laughs> I don't have total consciousness on my deathbed, but I, but I've, <laughs> I've, I now own Colt 45, at least figuratively, but the cult is not going to leave him unless and until the conservative media does. And there were some signs that Ann Coulter might leave him this week. I wrote another column about that. Again, you can find it at freespeechbroadcasting.com. But I think Ann, Ann Coulter has been flirting with leaving Trump for a long time, but then she rushes back into his arms almost immediately. So I don't know that that's necessarily all that uh, significant for Ann. My point on Ann was, hey, not so fast. You don't get to just say, oops, well, we were wrong. And move on. No, 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 no. There needs to be a significant price paid for having fucked this up. Those that gave us Trump must be forced to pay. There must be some accountability. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. So whether or not Comey testifies and how he testifies and when he testifies is going to be everything in this, in my in my view. Uh, and I, my gut still tells me it's not going to go down the way that Democrats and liberals want it to, but I have to say <laughs> that the voyeur in me would certainly love to say it because it would be entertaining as hell. And isn't that what the Trump presidency is really all about? Isn't it really all just about being entertained? It is, isn't it? So um, anyway, so that was... On Wednesday, I'm <laughs> not even remotely through the full week yet. Thursday is a day I think has been underrated with regard to the bombshells that we learned on Thursday. We learned that the Trump transition team knew that Mike Flynn was under investigation for failing to disclose that he had lobbied for Turkey before... He was hired as the national security advisor. It was also reported that Flynn had delayed a plan to retake an ISIS stronghold 
which was an attack that Turkey had opposed. Now, to be clear, this was during the Obama administration. But this is why, here's why this is important. We got a situation where our national security advisor gets hired despite, to say conflict of interests would be an understatement. He's effectively working for the government of Turkey. Not directly, it's indirectly, but by the way, the guy who was paying him also very, very close ties to Vladimir Putin, who, oh, by the way, gave Flynn an award and a dinner where Flynn was two seats from him at the same table, all right? So we got Flynn, who the stench on him is enormous, and we've got a situation where he has intervened to stop a plan to attack ISIS because Turkey didn't want it. Now, this happened to coincide this week with this unbelievable set of circumstances that occurred here in the United States where the head of Turkey, this Erdogan guy, I think that's how you pronounce it, Erdogan, Erdogan, whatever the hell it is, he's basically the dictator of Turkey. He's in the United States, and there's some protesters who are bothering him, and there's video of him ordering his goons to attack the American citizens, most of them assuming American citizens, but they're on American soil, and beat the crap out of them. This is the Turkish dictator on American soil. Now, why is this important? Why why do I blame Trump? And you're thinking, well, it's not Trump's fault. He wasn't there. Why did the head of Turkey feel confident that he could get away with that? Why? I mean, that, that there's audacity and there's that. You're on the soil of another country and you order your goons to beat the crap out of protesters. You have to have massive entitlement issues. Now, that can happen to a dictator in general, but you're in the United States of America. So what do we know about Trump and Erdogan? We know that Trump baffled everybody several weeks ago by calling to congratulate him on effectively becoming a dictator, on effectively eliminating civil liberties or you know, the, the rights of a free political system in Turkey to enhance his own power, which, of course, we all know is something Trump really respects. Yeah, oh, great, great job. Wow, that is awesome. That is really cool. I wish I could become a dictator. And what else do we know? We know that Trump has bragged in the past about having a major building in Istanbul, Turkey. Now, just do the basic math. You've got Trump, who owns property in Istanbul, praising a dictator. The dictator comes to the United States and feels comfortable enough ordering his goons to beat the crap out of those protesting. And oh, by the way, he hired as his national security advisor, Trump did, a guy who effectively was working for the government of Turkey to the point where he was willing and able to lobby against plans to take out an ISIS stronghold because Turkey didn't want it. This is only a gut instinct on my part. I think, much like Ken Starr's investigation began with Whitewater and ended up with perjury and obstruction of justice with regard to Monica Lewinsky and Paula Jones... I think there's a very good chance this whole Robert Mueller investigation begins in Russia and actually ends in Turkey. I, I think that we may, you know, I'm not downplaying the influence of Russia in the election, but as far as criminality is concerned and provable criminality, my gut tells me there's a better chance of finding that in Turkey than there is in Russia. Purely a gut instinct but something to keep in mind. Now, also on Thursday, Reuters reported, going getting back to Russia, that the Trump campaign had 18 
undisclosed contacts with Russia during the campaign. Undisclosed. 18 times. Once or twice you go, well, it just fell through the system, you know, just an oversight. 18. Undisclosed contacts with Russians during the campaign. Now, again, this is somewhat open to interpretation. And to be clear, I am still very open-minded to the idea that Trump did not knowingly or purposely collude with the Russians during the campaign. I have yet to be able to figure out one scenario that makes total sense with all of the known facts, which is what I like to do before I'm comfortable throwing out a theory. But I, I, I certainly think it is possible, and this you know, report with regard to the 18 undisclosed contacts, I think is consistent with a couple of different theories. But the, the less nefarious theory is that what we have here is essentially a cover-up of something that didn't happen. Does that make sense? In other words, like we're, for instance, with Jeff Sessions, I think Jeff Sessions testimony is a perfect example of what I'm trying to articulate here. Sessions testified that he had never met with anybody from Russia. And then it turned out, Oh damn, actually I did. It was the Russian ambassador and it was in my own office and, you know, it was in the middle of the campaign, but you know, I never, it just never occurred to me to mention that while under oath testifying in front of the U S Senate, Jeff Sessions, not a dumb guy. And Oh, by the way, none of my aides after I got done testifying said, um, Senator, uh, don't you remember that time? Like only a few months ago, when we met with the Russian ambassador, who's also a spy uh, in your office, no one bothered to mention that to Jeff Sessions. Now, there are those who will say, aha, this is proof that there was collusion and they're covering up collusion. No, maybe, no, maybe, maybe what they're doing is they're afraid of the allegation of the collusion with Russia. They realize there's a lot of smoke here and they're not, they're trying to reduce the amount of smoke because it's a pain in the ass issue and it's one that drives Trump crazy because it kind of discredits the greatest achievement of his life which was this massive electoral college victory and how awesome am i so it's possible again i haven't made a a determinative decision as if it matters but i i haven't come to a conclusion on my in my own mind yet about what's true here but it is certainly possible that what we have here is a series of situations where Trump associates realize that there's a lot of smoke, realize this looks bad, and they're effectively covering up something that didn't happen because it looks bad. And then you combine that with the fact that Trump is a fucking idiot. All right. So, so if, if you combine... The, the notion that the people around him are covering up for something that didn't actually happen and the fact that Trump is a fucking idiot, I, I can buy that. I, I, can see, I, can, I can see a path to where that's what really happened here. But then we get to Friday. <laughs> then, then we get to Friday and we learn, remember that meeting, the completely nutty, insane, bizarre meeting that Trump took with a Russian spy. It's incredibly important. You remember, this is a known Russian spy, the Russian ambassador. And I think the foreign minister and those crazy pictures of them laughing it up in the Oval Office, <laughs> which were taken not by our press, not by the White House, but by the Russian news agencies, unbeknownst to us. Again, a meeting that should never have happened. And apparently, and I don't know if this is even confirmable, but it's been reported, and this makes sense to me, that the reason why this meeting happened was that Putin had been on a call with Trump. And this is true. You can look this up. Putin and Trump had a phone call just days before this meeting. And that Putin supposedly said, you know, our foreign minister has never been in the Oval Office. He'd really like to come see it and visit. Could you, could you meet with him? 
Now, the way Trump's brain works, I mean, he respects the hell out of Putin because why? Putin's very strong, very powerful, very rich, right? Those are the things that Trump respects. Trump wants to be part of the club. And in Trump's world, that's the way you do things, right? In the business world, you're trying to do business with another titan. Hey, um, I got a buddy who lives uh, near your golf course in uh, Palos Verdes. I'm wondering if uh, you know, might be able to set him up and you know, show him a good time. Sure, no problem. That's the way it works, right? In Trump's mind, we'll roll out the red carpet. Of course, Trump's not thinking <laughs> that Vladimir Putin has just asked <laughs> for you to meet with the people who engaged in a criminal attempt to influence our presidential election. And oh, by the way, he's going to bring a top spy with him on this, on this field trip. <laughs> the field trip to see the Oval Office. <laughs> Again, I'm being generous. All right. I'm trying, I'm trying desperately to be fair. And I'm trying to look at this in as, in as objective and non-nefarious way as possible. So the, the Trump is a fucking idiot scenario here, I still think works. But that's apparently how this meeting took place or why it took place. But then we find out on Friday what was further said. And what was most interesting about this is the White House basically confirmed it. And yet most of the Trump cult, the cult 45 that I saw reacting to it, still believed it was fake news. Despite the fact the White House effectively confirmed it, didn't even try to dispute it, tried to spin it as if it was true, the cult 45ers were still going, fake news, fake news. Idiots! All right, they, they'll believe anything. I mean, if, I mean when, when your own White House confirms the story is true, and your cult members are still saying, fake news, wow, that is a strong cult right there. But here's what we learn. That the President of the United States, while in the Oval Office with a Russian spy, a country that our intelligence agencies are certain tried to influence illegally our election, he referred to the FBI director he had fired the day before as a real nut job and that the pressure that he had been feeling for this Russian investigation was now taken off. Now, let's, let's break this down, okay? The, there's a couple different important elements. The first is Comey's a real nut job. That's just not true. I mean, that's it's just flat out ridiculous. It's not true. I realize that truth doesn't mean anything anymore, but the president of the States is lying blatantly about the FBI director he just fired. And he's lying to the Russians. And oh, by the way, the Russians are the guys he was, meaning Comey, was investigating. So he's telling the bad guys, that the cop I just fired who was investigating you is a real nut job. That's extraordinary. It's not true. It's beyond inappropriate. You could even argue that it's evidence of collusion with the Russians because what's he saying? He's saying, "Eh, don't worry. I'm so on your side with regard to this whole you intervene in our election illegally thing that I got rid of our FBI director because of it. And oh, by the way, it's further confirmation that that was the reason he fired Comey. Not the bullshit about that was first out there that the administration tried to spin. Oh, no, no. This is about how he handled the Hillary Clinton email investigation. Bullshit. We now know for 100% sure 
For the second time, we heard it out of Trump's mouth publicly in the Lester Holt interview, and we've heard we've effectively heard it out of Trump's mouth privately in a conversation effectively confirmed by the White House to the Russian ambassador and foreign minister in the Oval Office saying, that's why I got rid of Comey. It was the Russian investigation. And then the pressure's now taken off, which indicates he's more than a fucking idiot. He is delusional. Delusional. He thought, which again is incredibly important. His mindset here is so significant. If that's true, and he thought that the pressure was off, even as delusional as that is, because now we've got a special counsel, then that goes to his motivation for firing Comey. Right? I, he did it to get the pressure off because of the Russia investigation. Now, you could certainly interpret that. It's certainly consistent with a guy who has reason to fear the Russian investigation. But if he really thought, I've taken the pressure off, then that is troubling in so many ways. Not not to just mention how completely devoid of any grasp of reality he, he engages in. I, I mean, you have to really be detached to believe that firing the FBI director was going to eliminate pressure with regard to the Russia situation. And then we cannot forget he's saying this to a Russian spy (laughs) in the Oval Office. Now, one of the ways in which the so-called conservative now state-run media has been trying to fight back against the entire Comey issue is that they have been trying to say that, wait a minute, if this was real and Comey really thought he was being pressured to end the Russian investigation and he made these memos, then he should have either resigned or come forward publicly at the time, right? Now, I can understand for a... a, and not too intelligent, desperate uh, cult member, that is a very enticing argument to be made. Aha! By the way, I'm not sure, are they arguing that this proves that Comey didn't really write the memos? Or that he was just writing the memos as, like he was making them up, and hoping that in, in the future he, you know, wouldn't necessarily need them, but he might need them, like, as protection? I mean, that doesn't make any goddamn sense, but making sense is not really the forte of the state-run conservative media anymore. So I've never understood what the hell their theory is. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure that there's a timestamp on the memos, right? I'm pretty sure an email was sent to somebody where you got a timestamp. It's the freaking FBI, right? So, So the idea that these weren't really contemporaneous memos is, you know... It's just flat-out ridiculous. I, but, but more importantly, here's what they're missing purposely. And this is why, based upon what we currently know, it's perfectly understandable for Comey to have written these memos expressing concern that he's being pressured by Trump and still not do anything about it publicly. There's two things. Number one, if you resign or go public in a situation that basically makes you it makes it impossible for you to continue being the guy in charge of the investigation. Guess what? You've given Trump what you think he wants. Effectively, you have allowed him to fire you by intimidating you. That's That creates a, a horrendous precedent, not to mention has an impact on the investigation that is both negative and also wrong, and exactly what Trump wants. That's number one. Number two, which I think is even a stronger point in Comey's favor, and that's this. Think about your own life as you're evaluating people's intents, their motivations, what they're saying to you. All the time, you can have a suspicion about somebody, a suspicion as to what their motivation is, 
but not be sure. You're putting all the pieces of the puzzle together. When Trump got Sessions out of the room and said to Comey, let it go, to Comey, this was a red flag. This was a big piece of a puzzle that is consistent with Trump obstructing justice. It's not proof in and of itself. Guess what, though, changes Comey's interpretation of that conversation from evidence of possible obstruction to actual proof or potential proof of obstruction. Guess what? Guess what puts that over the edge? When Comey got fired. When Comey gets fired and Trump says to Lester Holt it was because of Russia, and then he tells the Russians in the Oval Office it was because of Russia, now we have a piece of evidence that becomes darn near proof. Darn near proof. And Comey doesn't have that until he gets fired and Trump reveals the reason behind it. Trump revealing both to Holt and the Russians that the Russian investigation was the reason he fired Comey may end up being his downfall from a legal standpoint. Ironically and weirdly, it might be one of the best pieces of evidence that he's not really guilty of collusion with Russia because I have to believe as little respect as I have for Trump's intelligence, I can't believe he's that fucking stupid. I really can't. That's his best defense at this point. He would have to be brain damaged, severely brain damaged to have done that if in fact he was guilty. And just to show you that I'm trying to be incredibly objective here, Another revelation came out that I think also is an indication that Trump is probably not guilty of any criminality here. Or I don't know if I, I don't know whether I should say probably, maybe, or whatever. But there's a very good chance, however you want to define that. I don't know what the percentages would be, and that is that apparently during the campaign we intercepted Russian intelligence where they were bragging about how they thought that Mike Flynn could influence Donald Trump if he got elected president. Now, that's, that's batshit crazy stuff, by the way. And any other, if that, was in a, if that happened with the Hillary campaign, you know, the, the formerly conservative media would be going batshit crazy. But that's another story. Here's the, the key part of this. All right, let's presume that's true. That, to me, is completely inconsistent with the idea that they have Trump compromised. Because if they have Trump compromised, why do they need to worry about Mike Flynn? They got Trump. Now, to be fair, it seems pretty clear that Flynn did influence Trump enormously when it came to Putin during the campaign and in the, in the period between having won the election and, I guess, soon after his inauguration. I guess, I guess up until the Syria strikes. It's, you know, basically everything Trump did was very soft, very pro-Putin. And you could argue that that was because of Flynn, the guy who had gotten an award while sitting next to Putin in Russia. So, again, I don't know for sure what the full story here is. And it's very confusing because with a normal president, you could presume certain things. You could presume certain things because you would understand that they had at least a baseline of knowledge and intelligence and an understanding of the way things work. And therefore, you could use that to evaluate their actions. You can't do that with Trump because he doesn't have any of those things. So therefore, it leaves open possibilities that you would never consider with a normal president. So that's where we are. And again, I urge you to check out the uh, the three columns that I wrote about this for Mediate this week at freespeechbroadcasting.com, including the one on, on Colt 45. They'll believe him every time. Speaking of Colt 45 and the so-called conservative media, I, I cannot leave uh, this week without at least mentioning the utter embarrassment that specifically Sean Hannity has become and many others who are latching on 
to this because they want to curry favor with Sean Hannity. For instance, people like Newt Gingrich. On this issue of the Seth Rich conspiracy. Now, I don't know whether or not you've even followed this, but Seth Rich is a former DNC staffer who was murdered mysteriously in the middle of the campaign. And there are those who are now convinced that Hillary, of course, because she's a murderer. I don't know if you know that or not. But she and Bill killed like dozens of people. They've never been even indicted on any of this. It's amazing how they've been able to do this even after they lose the election. They have no power. They've, they've been able to, you know, dodge the law for all these years and these dozens of murders that they've either directly or indirectly been involved with. But they, they had Seth Rich murdered because he was the one that hacked into the DNC computers. This is the, the, the batshit crazy conspiracy theory. And, um, you know, and the, reali- the reality is, uh, you know, that in this theory that it wasn't WikiLeaks. Now, that wasn't the, it wasn't the Russians. That this is all just a cover story to cover for the fact that it was Seth Rich that did all this. Now, his family has been pleading with media, specifically Sean Hannity, to stop. I mean, they've even sent cease and desist letters because they know this is all bullcrap. They know this did not happen. And they would have a greater incentive than anybody if, if the DNC killed Seth Rich because, because he was the real hacker. Um, you know, that would be uh, something that, one, they would want justice for. And, oh, by the way, they would get quite a bit of money for that if they were able to ever prove that. But they, they are 100% convinced that that's not what happened. Now, because it's an unsolved mystery at this point, this has allowed muckrakers conspiracy nut jobs now, and that's what Sean Hannity has become, to spin, and he's not just doing it one time. He's now fully on board with this batshit crazy conspiracy theory that doesn't even make any goddamn sense. It doesn't even make any sense, not to mention there's no evidence for it, but he's now totally on board. Why? Well, because it's a distraction from what's going on with Trump, and it's also a way for the cult to latch on to this notion that everything is fake news, that all of our intelligence agencies are lying that Russia helped Trump during the campaign. No, no, this was really a Hillary conspiracy, and that's why Seth Rich is dead. All of this is absurd. It's embarrassing. I mean, this is stuff that Alex Jones shouldn't even be willing to touch. And now Sean Hannity and even Newt Gingrich are basically fully on board. And this week, they thought they had a little bit of actual evidence where an investigator into this thing told a Fox affiliate that Rich had had all these WikiLeaks emails found on his computer. Well, it turned out that all that that investigator was saying on camera was what the Fox reporter told him he was going to report, but he didn't have anything to base that on. It was all bullshit. You must be crazy. When are you going to stop believing in something that isn't true? That's what the so-called conservative media has become. Conspiracy fucking nut jobs. It's embarrassing. And, And for those of you out there who might have bought into this but john but john what about the reddit thing you know what what you know what it looks you know wikileaks is saying that that uh rich um was the guy and they're even offering a reward for for uh the finding his killer can you use your fucking brain for a minute what is the incentive of wikileaks and russia by the way russia is now tweeting I think they're trolling him, but Russia's Twitter account is actually tweeting Hannity's bullcrap theory on this. Because why? Because it helps them. Use your brains, people. An international hacking organization and the Russian government have massive incentives to fool the into believing that they're not the ones who hacked into the DNC and tried to help Trump win the election. So they're creating 
you know, they're dropping breadcrumbs that look like evidence to make it look like Seth might have been the guy. It's not difficult to figure out unless you're part of Colt 45. Now, I'm trying to figure out why Colt 45 exists and why facts don't matter, truth doesn't matter, why the media is completely broken. There was a fascinating study that got released this week, which really explains everything. And this is from uh, Reason.com. Study, you literally can't even pay people to read opinions they disagree with. Like children, voters place their hands over their own ears and yell, not listening. (sighs) I love the poorly educated. All right. Here's the story. People are so conditioned to avoid contrary viewpoints that they will actually forego an opportunity to win money if it requires them to read something with which they disagree. That's according to a fascinating and deeply depressing study in the Journal of Experimental Social Psychology. The study gave participants two options. They could read an article about same-sex marriage that matched their own perspective, or they could read an article about same-sex marriage that contradicted their views on the subject. They were told that if they selected the article with which they disagreed, they would be entered in a drawing to win $10. But if they selected the more comforting, self-affirming article, they would only stand to win $7. As it turns out, a solid majority of participants, a whopping 63%, which is about right, because I've always figured we're you know, basically in thirds. So that's about two-thirds of the public. Only a third actually gives a, even a remote damn about the facts. Two-thirds of the country would rather read the article they already agreed with, even if it meant winning less money. This has consequences for a democratic society since it suggests that people do not tend to remain open to the best arguments for and against a certain policy. They willfully close their minds because receiving contrary information is psychologically painful. That right there, in a nutshell, explains everything. It explains everything about Trump and why people believe things that are just flat out not true. Uh, And by the way, they did it with Obama, too. Let's not forget that. I mean, the Obama cult basically birthed the Trump cult. And it birthed it from a media perspective, too, because now the media has lost all their credibility after eight years of getting the pom-poms out for Barack Obama. Gee, I wonder why Republicans aren't trusting them with anonymous sources telling them that the Republican president is unqualified and dangerous. Gee, there's a great mystery. Maybe you should have thought about keeping your credibility for the last eight years if you wanted people to believe you about Trump. Or maybe you shouldn't have given Donald Trump $2 billion in free advertising during the primaries if you really thought he was all that crazy and dangerous. But no, 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 that was good for business back then. And I've lived that on the whole Penn State thing for the last five-plus years. No one wants to believe anything that doesn't fit with what they already want to believe. And it's far, far, it's number one thing I've learned in life, far easier to dupe people than it is to convince people that they have been duped. And that's what the news of this week has proven in spades. All right, make sure you stay tuned to hour number two, because in hour number two, we'll talk about a lot of the same uh, stuff, but from a slightly different perspective with Democratic Congressman John Yarmuth. Also, uh, let me give you a heads up. Next week is Memorial Day uh, weekend. We'll not be doing a podcast. And then the following weekend is my daughter's fifth birthday. So we're probably going to be off that week, too. So we'll probably be off in the next couple of weeks. Uh, maybe Trump will still be president when we return. We'll see. Uh, if you watched Saturday Night Live last night, they seem to think <laughs> that he's not going to be around when they return in the fall. But I, I actually think he will be. But um, as always, I ask only two things of you. Uh, make sure you share this uh, podcast via Social media, Twitter, Facebook, what have you, word of mouth. And uh, do yourself a favor as well. If you're one of those people who sleeps and when you sleep you use sheets, stay tuned for this really important message. My name's John Ziegler. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. Coffee? Oh, thanks. How did you sleep? Like a baby. I don't want to get out of bed, ever. These sheets are mm, incredibly soft. 
What did you say they're called again? Performance bedding by Sheiks. <laughs> performance bedding? <laughs> yeah. They're made from super high-tech performance fabric. They're incredibly breathable, so you're not waking up at night throwing covers off and then an hour later throwing them back on. Huh. No wonder I slept so good. Since I started using Sheiks, I sleep like a baby. No more sweaty nights for me. No? Well. <laughs> well, I like them because they're soft. They feel like, mmm, silk. Performance fabric, huh? Maybe we should... Oh, I don't know. Try them out again. <laughs> <laughs> Comfort and performance for better sleep. That's Sheiks. S-H-E-E-X. Sheiks. Try Sheiks for 30 nights risk-free. Go to sleepcoolnow.com. Use promo code 1212 and get $40 off any sheet set. That's sleepcoolnow.com, promo code 1212. Sleepcoolnow.com, 1212.